Good morning. It's good to be with you on this uh, wonderful Tuesday as we continue with our study of Acts. Uh, yesterday, we left off with Acts chapter 9, so we're going to pick up today with the beginning of chapter 10. We're going to read a good many verses. Chapter 10 is broken up into really three sections. Uh, a couple visions that are had in verses 1 through um, one through uh, 33, and that's what we're going to read today. Uh, it's kind of long, but I really I thought about breaking it up, but I think it's best to keep it all together. Then 34 through um, 43 um, deals with a, mess, a sermon that Peter preached, and then 44 through um, 48 deals with something that happens in response to the message. So um, we're going to pick up today with Acts chapter 10, verses 1. We'll read through verse 33. Now, in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. So a little background, uh, just it kind of set the stage. Um, last chapter ended with Simon, with Peter staying at um, Simon the Tanner's house. Um, I mentioned this in brief closing uh, yesterday, but a tanner was someone who worked with leather. Leather, they tanned leather skins. They were not considered, they were not Levitically unclean, but they were considered unclean by many people. So a tanner was, and so people tended to avoid staying with them or being in association with them. So a tanner was not um, an unclean job or person in the same way, uh, uh, you know, a tax collector might be or a prostitute or something like that, but it was not a desirable job. Um, so he would have been on the outskirts of town. So um, anyway, Caesarea, Roman city, uh, Roman uh, capital on the ocean, on the, on the sea of uh, Mediterranean Sea, rather. Uh, it was one of the capitals of um, the Roman Empire in that part of the world. You'll see Caesarea come up a lot in um, Acts because it was kind of the main port that you would come into if you were coming to Israel. Uh, it's where most of the Romans entered into this country by So. That's why so Cornelius, uh, Cornelius makes good sense. A Roman centurion, or, or he was a um, uh, an officer in the Roman army. Uh, centurions, of course, were the Roman army, and he was really important in there. So I want to let you see, Peter staying with a Jew, most likely a Christian, who would have considered unclean by many. And now he gets, he's going to come in contact with a Gentile. So just want to sing that scene for him. He, he meaning Cornelius, was a devout man who feared God with all, with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God commanding, coming in and saying, Cornelius. He looked at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? He, he answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who's called Peter. He's lodging with, with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel spoke, him, spoke to him and left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. After telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About the noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While us being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. And it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. And the thing was suddenly taken up into heaven. Now, Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision he had seen. And suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. When Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Look, 
Three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you were looking for. What is the reason of your coming? They answered, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by an holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Simon invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met them, and falling at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up, for I am only a mortal. As he talked with him, he went in and found that he had that he had many assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why have you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago, in this very hour, at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Therefore I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are, who are here in the presence of the Lord, listen to all the Lord has commanded you to say. Okay, so you have several things happening here. First, you have Simon, who is a, um, anytime in scripture you see the word God-fearer, or one who feared God, that typically is a reference to a Gentile who may not have been Jewish, but was at least aware of the Jewish customs and more likely than not was trying to follow them. So Simon would have, uh, Cornelius rather, would have been very familiar with all the Jewish traditions, probably the Jewish Old Testament. He would have been very familiar with all these things. So he has a vision that he's supposed to send for Peter. Now this time Peter's at Simon the Tanner's house and he has a vision. And uh, he has this, he's, he's this, 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 this blanket, as it were, a large sheet coming from heaven with all manner of unclean animals. And a voice says, rise, kill and eat. And Peter's like, whoa, what now? I can't, I can't eat that. I can't eat these things because I have always kept this Levitical code that was given in the Old Testament about what the Jews should or should not eat. And the purpose of the code, I talked about this yesterday in my sermon, I'm sorry, Sunday in my sermon in Intersection, was the purpose of the code was to mark the Jewish people as distinctive or holy. Everything they did was in reference to their neighbors. And so if their neighbors did this, the Jews did this to mark them as distinctive or holy. So Peter has always followed these codes. He's always followed the, the ceremonial codes. And, and as we've said before, even in the Gospels, when Jesus broke the law, he was not breaking the Levitical law. He was breaking the more Pharisaical law that were layers upon the Levitical law. So Peter has this vision to eat things that he has never eaten, to eat things that are unclean. And he says, I can't eat this. I can't eat these unclean, unclean things. And the Lord says, what God has made clean, you must not call profane or unclean. Happened three times. By the way, notice the number three several times. Three visitors, three visions, so on and so forth. Now they come to get Peter and say, Cornelius, a God-fearing Gentile, has called you to his house. So the next day they go. And Peter, when he arrives there, says, as you know, it's, unlawful for a Jew to associate with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I must not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, for when I was sent for, I came without objection. This vision of the foods 
is a greater symbol, if you will, of what God is doing with the Gentiles. For the Jews were not supposed to eat these unclean foods. They were not supposed to associate with these unclean Gentiles. And through the image of the food and the unclean food where God says, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. Peter now understands that God is not simply talking about food. But he's talking about people. And he says, don't call any person unclean that I have made clean. And this is huge. Because at this point, we now, we're now beginning to see it over and over and over and over again in Scripture. That the call of God, this new covenant of Jesus Christ, it, it is not an ethnic thing. It's not tied to a certain family or a certain race, certain culture. But it's for all who believe. Tim Keller has this really cool thing. He talks about how Christianity is to be the only religion whose geographic center has moved throughout its time. Originally, all the Christians were in Jerusalem and Judea. Then the center, the center of gravity of Christianity moved to Europe. Then it moved to America. And now the center of gravity for Christianity is in Africa, particularly the global south. That's where the church is growing. Christianity has seen its geographic center, has seen its heart, has seen its it is, has seen itself where it's based move because Christianity is not tied to an ethnic group or to a people or to a location, but Christianity is tied to Jesus. Christianity is about worshiping and serving Jesus and making Jesus Lord of our lives. That's what, that's what the good news is about. So Peter here begins to see the gospel's call to be not bound up in any one group or any one people but bound up in the following of Jesus Christ and making Jesus Lord of all. So these foods that Peter was told to eat that uh, he had seen it said were unclean. He now sees that the Lord has made them clean. So if you want to eat you a reptile sandwich, go, go crazy. I reckon. Um, so Peter sees that, but that's, that's, that's pointing to the bigger truth here is that there's no person that God ever made that Christ did not die for. I love what C.S. Lewis says, you will never look into the eyes of someone who, whom God does not love. Ever. You'll never look in the eyes of another person who God does not love. Think about that. Think about that. Do we live like that? Do we live like God loves everyone we meet as much as he loves us? We have to, because he does. Um, so that's our mission, I think, y'all, is to live this out. Um, to live this out. So um, know how loved you are. Know how loved you are. But understand that he doesn't just love me, he loves you. And understand he doesn't just love you, he loves me. Understand he doesn't just love us, he loves everybody. So Peter has to um, start a new journey and a new adventure of understanding what God's called him to do. So today, let's keep that call of the gospel forefront in our minds. It can be scary. It can be a little worrying. It can be a little terrifying but it always leads to life. So today we see Peter begin to take the good news to the Gentiles. We see what God's going to do with it. So tomorrow we're going to read Peter's sermon to this group and we'll see what happens from there. So thanks for uh, being with us. Have a great day.